Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to school tonight and it's not going to cost you a dime here on closing argument my name is walter hudson twin cities news talk am 1130 103.5 fm you can catch us streaming at twincitiesnewstalk.com and on your mobile device utilizing your iheart radio app we're here 9 to 11 weeknights appreciate you tuning in if you miss a program or want to catch up on the podcast your spreaker app or spreaker.com is the place to go do a search for closing argument 651-989-5855 the number to join us this evening brad omlin taking your calls producing the show in studio tonight howard root former ceo retired ceo of vascular solutions a medical device company he fought the law and he won and uh we had him on earlier uh, a few a number of weeks ago to tell us his story um, regarding that scenario which is quite compelling and i believe you can find those episodes up at Spreaker.com or on your Spreaker app in our podcast archive. Welcome to the show once again, Mr. Root. Thank you, Walter. It's good to be here. And free education, worth every penny. It'll be a great night talking about education. Absolutely. You're going to get more value here than you will in your first uh, month of, of student debt-laden <laughs> oh, absolutely. Secondary, post-secondary education at your typical public uh, so, uh, institution of higher learning. So just to kind of set this up, I, I, I did kind of tease this a little bit yesterday uh, the notion that, you know, we live in a culture that, and I don't know what it's like today because my kids are young and I'm old, so I don't have any anybody that I know really on a daily basis that lives in that sweet spot. Uh, Brad might be the closest I get, you know, because he's a, a relatively recent college uh, graduate. But the culture when I was growing up in, in high school was such where there was a, a strong expectation that you were going to go to college. And it it wasn't even it was basically for its own sake. It was the, the notion that you should go to college because it's what people do, uh, because it's it's a it's a hallmark of a successful individual. Uh, it, it's a hallmark of a modern individual, somebody who is progressing and advancing and and uh, offering something that is is ultimately going to be rewarded somehow, mystically, going to be rewarded in the economy moving forward. And that uh, led me and my wife and a number of others uh, throughout this country to take on tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt that for many of us has resulted in no real economic return whatsoever. And you have a piece of commentary that was published recently in the Star Tribune uh, entitled, We're Not Doing Students Favors by Overselling college degrees what do you mean by that? right well if you're old walter i am positively ancient <laughs> so we've got the three generations here tonight uh, to talk about college and uh, i was in high school in the 70s so i go way way back but you're absolutely right and it's, it's really interesting as i was thinking about this my five months now of retirement i was thinking about why are we having so many of these college graduates coming out and working in dead-end jobs minimum wage jobs or underemployed and and what's forcing them into that progression to go to college right out of high school and 
And I remember it. You were considered a failure coming out of high school if you did not go to college. Your parents were considered to be failures if they didn't have their children go to college. And, in fact, you know, the generation older than me, that generation did not go to college, so they considered it a success of the family how many kids went to college. And back then, actually, you could make a pretty good case if you went to college got into college, got through, you could get a pretty decent job. But I think that has really changed in running my company over the last 20 years. I saw a remarkable difference between the employment prospects of technical graduates, Dunwoody Institute or North Hennepin Tech or someone who's just got an apprenticeship program, and those college graduates coming out with you know, sociology degrees, women's studies degrees, or, or whatever kind of creative majors they're coming up with now. And I, I think it's important for the students and the and the parents to learn what that force is and, and whether it's appropriate for them to follow that course. You write in your commentary in the Star Tribune, I saw this mismatch at Vascular Solutions, the medical device company I started and ran for 20 years. We consistently had unfilled job openings for non-degreed technicians in machine design at, salary, at salaries well above $50,000. On the other hand, in our entry-level marketing associate program, we received at least 50 applications from recent college graduates for every position we hired. Seems like a pretty clear indication of a uh, supply and demand mismatch. Yeah, it was absolutely a mismatch. And if we got into anyone who could run an extruder or anyone who could do injection molding or anyone who could run a mill or a lathe, those people are just golden in this economy. There's just not enough of them, and everyone's trying to hire them. And you're up there in the hourly ranges, you know, $25, $30, $35 an hour. I mean, you're in the sixties to $70,000 a year plus full benefits. But then I had an apprenticeship program where I'd hire just liberal arts majors with no experience in medical devices and then take, take them through a two-year program where they'd learn medical device marketing, medical device sales. They'd get a little education, kind of a working MBA, mm-hmm. and they'd be making about $50,000 a year while doing it. I thought it was a great way to avoid these kids from going back to get an MBA, costing them money, right. and instead give them the MBA and then put them to work. And, and oh, by the way, I got the copying done. I got the materials put together. They had to do all that work, but they could learn along the way. But it was an amazing number of kids who were looking for something that would give them a career pathway after college. And they didn't think about it until the senior year of college. It's interesting that you cite that, that you even have that program and that you bring it up, because one of the arguments that you'll often hear whenever you bring up some sort of criticism of the status quo in education at any level is this kind of defensive protectiveness of that system, of the status quo. And it's kind of the if, if government doesn't do it, then who will? And what, what I hear you saying is that you I'm assuming I mean, there may have been some degree of benevolence uh, involved in th- this decision to take people on in an apprenticeship program. But ultimately, it was in your best interest. You're trying to develop the talent that you need in order to further your entrepreneurial endeavor. Yeah, it was purely in our own self-interest because what I found is if you train people to do things the way you want them to do it, you you can train them. But if you take someone who's been trained a different way to do something and then you try to retrain them, you have a huge failure rate. So we could bring these kids in, and now I'm 56, so I can say kids when they're 22 or 24. Sure. Maybe right. Brad takes offense at that, but <laughs> I'll still call them kids. And I could bring them in and, and educate them. And in two years, you know, maybe it's a 50% hit rate, but, but that's not too bad. And then from there, they can grow for another five to 10 years working with the company. And other than that, I've got to try to hire retreads, someone who's leaving another company for some reason, they're likely not going to be happy in my company. So it was all in our own best interest. But I love the way that it was able to give the students what they wanted and give the job or give them a job and also give the 
the, the employer, me, what I needed, which was with the workers. Now, we were a bit of an aberration, and, and we were the only ones to do this apprenticeship program out there. I think there's more employers that need to do that. In fact, there's another problem with employers is because there is such a, such a glut of college graduates, they are now hiring college graduates to do jobs that don't require a college degree. And then students are saying, wait a minute, if I don't have a college degree, I can't get that job, even though it's not required to do the job because the employer won't hire me because he'll hire whatever is the best qualified candidate. And they will think that the college degree gives you a one up in getting that job, even if it's not required. Yeah, I've noticed that. I'd be interested in, and it's a little bit of an aside, but I would be interested in in your insights having been on a, a side of the transaction that most of us uh, are not in terms of being an employer at the level at which you operated as a CEO at Vascular Solutions. What do you make of this transition? Because when I, again, evoking the when I was a kid back in the day, uh, which, you know, wasn't all that long ago, we're talking about the late 90s, I, I recall being able to go out as a kid who knew nothing and had nothing and being able to find a job at will. You would walk down the street and literally see help wanted signs everywhere, and you could walk in, get an interview with the guy who ran the place or owned the place, and have a job at the end of the afternoon if you were so inclined at the beginning of the afternoon. It was not an, a, an extensive endeavor. You didn't have to, to have your resume typed up and, and f- fleshed out and, and uh, go through this extensive human resources process. We've moved away from that culturally. What do you make of why that is the case? Well, I think there's some jobs where that's true. I mean, you know, not the jobs you necessarily want. You go into a McDonald's and they're hiring and they're paying more and more every year. You see the $8, $9, $10 for starting wages at, at McDonald's. At my company, Vascular Solutions, if you were able to get up and get to work at 6 in the morning and work in the clean room manufacturing medical devices, we'd hire you. Sure. And that was starting around 12 to $14 an hour plus full benefits, and you could get up to closer to 20 within a year or two. Um, so those kind of jobs are there, but that is not going to give you much of a career progression. That's going to be really uh, rote labor work there. Now, if you want to get into a job which gives you that career pathway, that's harder to find. And employers, I, I, I got to criticize employers. I don't think they do as much training as they should be doing. They're trying to look for the trade schools to give them finished candidates, and the employer should be looking at doing more apprenticeship programs to bring unfinished, high-potential uh, uh, candidates into your system and then train them how to do the work you need to do. Do you think that tendency among employers is informed by public policy? In other words, is there a, a sense of expectation that, well, it's it's the government's job and it's the, the job of educational institutions to provide me with ready-made plug-and-play employment prospects, and and I don't really have any responsibility in that regard to try to develop my own, quote-unquote, human resources. Well, I don't think uh, the employers think about it that much. Uh, They think about what do I need to get done and what am I responsible for? And one of the things I see employers do, which just bugs, bugs me to no end, is they look for easy ways to distinguish which candidates to hire. So if they see someone who's got a 3.4 GPA, they hire that person over a 3.2. And in my 20 years running the company, I tried to drive that out of our organization. And we looked at hiring people based on their intelligence and their work ethic and their ability to fit into our culture and then promote them as quickly as they could handle it up into the ranks. I mean, we had in research and development, we had a high school graduate who had a Ph.D. reporting to him. So the Ph.D. reports to the high school graduate. But that's a real meritocracy is what we had. And, and a lot of the other companies. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They would never do that. You have to be degreed to be an engineer. You can't go and become an engineer unless you get that college degree. And a Ph.D. would never report to a high school graduate. It seems to be prevalent in in our modern culture, this deference to authority, this deference to the idea of credential specifically that, you know, if, in other words, when if, if you're running a uh, television news commentary program and you need a guest to talk to speak on some topic, you go out and you find a doctor, you right. go out and you find a, a professor, you go out and find somebody who has that credential next to their name in order to lend their opinion credibility and that seems to have fostered a focus on credential over merit. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're spot on. It's the easy way to try to distinguish people, and it's a really a false way to distinguish people. Now, there are certain things you need to be degreed to do. I don't want an unlicensed physician operating on me. I want them to go through medical school and be trained and certified and board certified. But when we get into people designing things and manufacturing things and, and working with, you know, basic uh, mechanical skills, the degrees that people are getting are not relevant to what the work is. Right. You know, mechanical engineering is not mechanical anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not even engineering. It's more of a math exercise. So I had one engineer that we hired, mechanical engineer degreed, and we had a broomball team. And this engineer comes up to me and asks, what saw would I use to cut my broomball stick handle? Now, it's, it's an aluminum-handled broomball stick, and a mechanical engineer doesn't know you pull out a hacksaw to cut that. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, the, the, the University of Minnesota almost shut down their tool shop or their, their machine shop for the mechanical engineer undergraduate program, where you could get a four-year degree and never go into a machine shop to learn right. how the tools make the right, products right, right. that you're designing. Yeah, sure. And, and that, that type of mechanical aptitude is so important. It used to be these were all farm kids because farm kids would come in and do mechanical engineering and they had the farm experience fixing the tractor and all that kind of stuff. Right. There are fewer and fewer farm kids. They're not going into engineering. So we don't have that pipeline. We, when I grew up, we used to work on our cars. Right. But try to work on any car now, I mean, you yeah. need to have a whole computer. You're not going to do that. Right. Um, so we're not getting the mechanical aptitude. All we're getting is video game culture. Right. And that's not useful for me when I'm trying to design medical devices. And the universities aren't stepping up and that's why the the businesses have to give that education and experience. But that's only going to take us so far. And, and I think so there's there's a problem with the universities. There's a problem with employers. But there's also a bigger problem, I think, with uh, with the students and the parents and the push to college for students who are really not, I would say, not right, select, not, not properly selected for a college education. Let's expound upon that when we return. Howard Root, our guest in studio, retired CEO of Vascular Solutions. We're talking about his commentary in the Star Tribune entitled, We're Not Doing Students Favors by Overselling College Degrees. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. In studio, Howard Root, former CEO of Vascular Solutions and author of a piece of commentary published in the Star Tribune recently entitled, We're Not Doing Students Favors by Overselling College Degrees. And uh, I, at glance here, 
I'm, I'm looking for the particular passage in which you make this point, and I'm not immediately finding it, so I'll just paraphrase. Uh, you make the point, that, and this is rather audacious, this is kind of a bold thing to claim in the, the modern discourse and with the modern culture surrounding education, that maybe, maybe not everyone needs to go to college. Right. That's heresy, right, in today's day and age, is everyone should go to college and everyone needs to go to college, and if you don't go to college, you're going you're gonna to be in poor, poor house forever. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of ways that people dice that and, and provides the statistics. And a lot of the statistics come from the same colleges that are encouraging everyone to go to their institution. So there's, there's a huge conflict of interest on how this whole issue is reported. You know, they start off by talking about a college premium. They talk about college graduates on average earn over a million dollars more than non-college graduates over their lifetime. But what they don't say is that's not a randomized sample of one pool of people. I mean, if you take college graduate, that that includes all your doctors and all of your lawyers. And if you take your non-college graduates, that covers a lot of your homeless people. And if you're going to compare the earnings, there's going to be a difference there independent of whether the college caused that difference. And I would, no one would ever argue that doctors should not go to college or lawyers should not go to college or that someone in the top 10% of their high school class should not go to college. The question is... Should we be sending 50% of our students to college or 40% or 70%? And right now it's 70%. And the other statistic that's important is really 27% of the jobs in our economy require a college education. So if you look at those two things and match them up, 70% of the kids go to college and 27% of the jobs require the college. Now, just simple math, we've got about 40% too many kids going to college for the jobs that are out there when you get out of college. I find it utterly shocking that statistics could in any way be misleading, especially <laughs> especially when they're used to promote a, a particular uh, public policy agenda. Uh, this is how you articulated in your piece at the Star Tribune. Finding that academic high achievers have higher earnings should not surprise anyone, but it does not mean that a remedial math student enrolling in college will become a high-income actuary. And and I might I might throw the word in there if I was editing it, magically become right, yeah, exactly. a high-income actuary. Nor will the lack of a college degree hamper the lifetime earnings of Mark Zuckerberg. It is in the interests and talent of the individual student that will determine if the college degree increases his or her lifetime earnings. That seems to be pretty clear cut. It's, it's clear cut. And that, that was the paragraph in my article that I spent so much time making sure I chose the right words. And, and you're a master of this as well, because you dance on these controversial issues where you say things like this and people will automatically assume you're implying that that someone cannot be a college student, or you're saying if you're poor, you can't become rich. Right. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying college should be an opportunity for everyone in America, but you have to achieve in order to get in, and it ha you have to be able to achieve in high school in order to make it worthwhile for you. And there's two parts to that, is we should not be putting people who can't achieve in college into college, and the students who have interests outside of college in a more technical field or something else where the academic world doesn't fit them should not be forced to go to college. We spend $1.3 billion a year on remedial education, and only 10% of the students who take a remedial education in a two-year community college ever graduate. That's a horrible return on investment. When you look at it, they could be doing something else during those two years to get them a chance to become a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, anything that doesn't require a college degree, and they'll probably earn more money in their lifetime because of it. 
651-989-5855 if you want to join the conversation. Howard Root in studio with us tonight on Closing Argument. My name's Walter Hudson. We're talking about a piece he wrote in the Star Tribune entitled, We're Not Doing Students Favors by Overselling College Degrees. Let's go to Jody in Eden Prairie. Welcome to the program. Hi. Uh, I am very grateful that you guys are talking about this issue. Uh, I'm an airline pilot. Um, I'm on my fourth airline. Uh, three of my previous airline carriers uh, did not require a four-year degree. They just preferred it. But my fourth one did. So I had to go back to college and finish eight credits. And I didn't even get credits in. It was a Bachelor of Elective Studies. So I took two criminal justice courses and a tropical rainforest class. Oh, wow. <laughs> any, other bi- any better pilot. I already had 12,000 hours. Right. But they just require it. And I go, isn't all the uh, all the different ratings we have to get right. and, you know, all the experience we get? And well, yet, it, the, you're, you're literally it. doing the job. Like, the, you've done yeah. the job for years. What further qualification do you need? Well, I think there's yeah. tropical rainforest flying, and that would be a different profession <laughs> you're now qualified for. So congratulations, yeah, Jody. Or... So maybe I can point out a monkey or a parrot or two. But wow, it's great. It, it, it was very irritating that I had to go back and spend the money. Um, I almost feel like they're in cahoots with colleges. And my mom used to say, you know, she didn't have a college education, and she felt bad on one of six that she didn't go to college. And I go, Mom, you're smarter than most people I know. Right, just yeah. Just because you didn't go to Harvard. I, I, I just I, – I, I agree with Howard, and I think we need to start training people for the job whether you're a doctor, lawyer, electrician, welder, this whole having to have some kind of, you know, social justice course or, you know, this, that, it, it's, it's past. It's past tense. Yeah, I appreciate your thoughts, Jody. Thanks for calling. It is a great point about the, the employers because the more I got into this and writing the article and thinking about and researching it, the, the employer problem got to be more and more of the issue for me. I, I think students at 18 years old are going to make choices that are imperfect at best. But employers who are continually complaining about the quality of the candidates using an arbitrary measure to force someone go get some degree or some coursework that's not required is just the height of lunacy. It just does not advance the employer's interest, does not employ, advance the employee's interest. It's really a lazy system. It's a lazy way of making decisions. And I think that's one of the things that we can do is just push back against that. I think the other one is is this pushback against society, saying that if you're a college graduate, you're smarter than a high school graduate. Right. And as they say a long time, I'd rather be judged by 10 names selected by random from the Boston phone book than 10 members of the Harvard faculty. You know, and, and, and I, I, seeing some of those guys in medical profession, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Sure. Um, and, and so if we don't equate college with intelligence and we let people select the profession and the education that matches their interests and their abilities, we're going a long way to making this a better economy. There's a book that I read recently, and Brad has read it as well, uh, called The Millionaire Next Door. And it's written by a couple of academic researchers, uh, and their task was to identify characteristics and to basically study as a group those people within American society who become millionaires. And they found, as the title would Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Suggest that the typical millionaire is not somebody who lives like Daddy Warbucks or, or Scrooge McDuck in some mansion somewhere swimming in their, their vault of gold, but is actually somebody who lives next door to you in a modest home living what ostensibly looks like a middle-class lifestyle. One of the interesting observations that these uh, researchers made was that in spite of the fact that these individuals achieved their wealth, accumulated their wealth in a very particular way that did not necessarily involve be going to school for a lengthy period of time, engaging in some sort of profession that required a college degree, but incrementally over time accumulating through investment and hard work and good personal choices, that they nonetheless retained this idea that they, much as our caller expressed, her mother expressing that I should have gone to school and my life would have been better off if I had gone to school. And they therefore transfer that to their children and end up, in some cases, pushing their kids in a direction that is not how they accumulated their wealth and ends up not working for their children. Right, yeah. I read that book, at least part of the book. I got to the point where they said that the least likely car for a millionaire to have was a Jaguar, and I was driving a Jaguar at the time, so I threw the book away. <laughs> Could not handle anymore. But in all seriousness, you're exactly spot on, is we have a culture here of people who think they've made it, but they're going to make it easier for their children, right. and, and they're making their children do something that is not what's going to be successful for right. them. And, and it's a culture of colleges being this holy grail, yeah. and we need to have it. And that needs to get cut out of society. Having a good study job, getting up, providing for the family, those are moral values, moral virtues that should be installed in everyone. But whether it's a trade school, whether it's Dunwoody, whether it's North Hennepin, whether it's an apprenticeship program, or whether it's the University of Minnesota, it's only what fits the employee and, and the student that's important. Howard Root, former CEO of Vascular Solutions and author of commentary at the Star Tribune entitled, We're Not Doing Students Favors by Overselling College Degrees. Closing argument, my name is Walter Hudson. We'll return momentarily. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. One of the chief rationalizations that's offered for why every student should go to college is the purported income potential that that can result in. Uh, Quoting from Howard Root's commentary in the Star Tribune, he writes, the customary but misleading answer is that college pays for itself. The oft-repeated statistic is that college graduates earn on average $32,000 more per year than high school graduates over a lifetime. This can result in $1 million 
one million dollars of college premium. And uh, previous uh, in a previous segment, Howard Root, who is our in studio guest this evening, uh, demonstrated the flaw in that statistic. You're aggregating a group of people. Uh, that is not necessarily indicative of individual experience. And there's certainly no end of example of folks who do not fit that bill, who either have a college degree and are not earning extra income as a result, or on the other side of it, less less scrutiny paid to, the people who are earning more income than, than the average and yet do not have a college degree. Right, and it's attributing all of the difference to college. And the truth is these are two different groups of people with two different kinds of abilities and you cannot attribute those different abilities to just going to college. And the more relevant statistic is what happens to students in the middle or the bottom part, the third or the fourth quartile of high school graduates, when they go to college versus when they go to trade school. That's the relevant statistic because those are the kids who are trying to make the decision to go to college or do something else. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, FM 651-989-5855 to get in on this conversation. Brad Omlin taking those calls, producing the show. You can catch us streaming at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com or your iHeartRadio app. Catch up on the podcast with your Spreaker app or Spreaker.com. We're here 9 to 11 weeknights. I want to kind of share my own personal situation, uh, both in terms of actual and hypothetical. Uh, to kind of demonstrate this, uh, because as I t- talked about a little bit last night in anticipation of having you on the program uh, here tonight, Howard Root, uh, m- my wife and I collectively have a-, a significant amount of student loan debt, uh, rivaling our mortgage, which, yeah, is, I, which I, is kind of ridiculous. I heard that last night. That's um, scary. It, it is. And, and the worst part of it is not just the debt itself, but the fact that in my evaluation, neither one of us has earned a single penny of income that could be directly attributed to that education, which probably places us on one end of the spectrum that you're talking about in terms of defying the convention that getting a college degree automatically means that you're going to earn extra money. And before the program tonight, I did a little bit of calculation in order to kind of look back and imagine what would have happened if, because the job that I have now, does not require a college degree. It's a job that anybody with a reasonable amount of intelligence could do. I'm not talking about this job. I'm talking about my day job <laughs> okay. that I go to. <laughs> Although that's oh, this job, I don't know. That that could probably also be said of this job as well. Yeah. Um, but but the job that I do during the day is one that anybody could do if they had a the the requisite basic skills, which are not that complicated and that you don't have to go to school for. Uh, the only requirement, the only real hurdle to it. Uh, is being 23 years of age and and having a valid driver's license. Okay, all right. So I went back and I took a look. What if I had the job that I have today and I started at 23 years of age, didn't go to college, and all I did was I set aside 15% of my pre-tax income and invested at a modest rate of of 8% return, and I, I never touched it. Currently... By this estimation, by this calculation, I would be sitting on one hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars, which is one hundred eighty-eight thousand more than I currently have stuffed away. <laughs> well, this is why you were crabby when I walked into that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would be a millionaire eighteen years from today if Oof. I continued to do this. And grant, this is all assuming never getting a raise, right. my income never changing from the age of twenty-three to the age of sixty-five. At the age of sixty-five, I could retire 
being worth over $2 million, $2.3 million. Now, if I were able to start just a few years earlier, like right out of high school at the age of 18, and I was able to invest that same amount of money over those years, I would retire with $3,521,751. So the question becomes, what's worth more? The four-year degree that I would have earned between ages 18 and 23, or the $1.1 million difference in potential investment income at a modest salary? That's a pretty easy side to take on that argument. But, you know, college allowed you to do all those statistics to learn how much longer you're going to have to work because you went to college. Yeah, right. That's just a real benefit, Walter. You're really doing the right thing. Yeah, there. simple addition. My, my eight-year-old's about two years behind me well, on this mathematics. Oh, but... you got a good kid. Maybe if you can throw a <laughs> fastball, you can retire earlier. Yeah, there you, you go. Know? Um, it, it's hard to make out the case in this economy that college is going to make a difference unless you have a clear objective in mind. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the, the opposite view. My, my degree, I was a lawyer. I was uh, trained as a lawyer. I practiced law. And I found after five years of working at a law firm, I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. I had resisted in coming out of high school going into engineering because I thought, you know, I don't want to ride a train. I, I didn't know what engineers yeah, right. did. <laughs> and my dad was telling me to do it, and my, I was going to do exactly opposite. My dad told me, I'm going to be a lawyer. That's what I want to be. So I do that, and I find out, you know, a genetic background, I don't know what it is. I like the engineering side. So I, after doing five years of law, started moving more and more to the engineering and then starting my own medical device company. And for the last 10 years of the company, all I did was basically develop, invent, and market medical devices. I didn't use my legal degree at all. Now, it was certainly helpful in starting the company, but if I had followed my real ambitions early on and been in the right pathway, I probably should not have gone to call or gone to law school. I should have gotten a technical degree. I could have been developing medical devices much earlier and probably been happier rather than those five years I spent miserable right. in a law firm right. billing by the hour. Um, so, and everyone's going to look back in their life and say, I could have done this differently and that differently. But in your case, that's the more common thing that we see is, People going to college, sometimes not even graduating, and then not having the opportunity to reclaim that lost wages ever for the rest right. of their life. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Is it we have this idea, and, and this, is, it, this goes beyond just education, but I think it's worth noting. A alongside the expectation that you must go to college simply to say you did and to have the degree as a status symbol, there's also this cultural sense of you're young and you should go have fun for a little while, right? right? Like you should enjoy your life while you can, which to my mind in retrospect is a horrific message to send to young people because yeah. you're saying it only gets worse from here, <laughs> right? You better go out and have fun right, now, but, right. which is the total inverse of how it ought to be. You ought to be looking forward to what you're building going forward uh, here and into the future. And th this idea of you know, your college years, totally uh, goes against that. Let's go to some of the calls here. We got Jason in St. Anthony. Welcome to the program. Hello, Howard. Hi, Jason, a fellow St. Anthony. I'm a St. Anthony Village graduate myself. So. I know you are. I'm, I'm actually at my mother's home on Silver Lake Road staring at our former alma mater. Oh, wow. Uh, your, your, your older brother, Douglas, was uh, a tutor, tutor for my brother, and he was around quite a bit. And, of course, you know, St. Anthony, such as it is, it was like kind of Mayberry in the middle of the city, so everybody knew everybody. And I was, uh, you know, spot on with the, you know, with the analysis. You know, we grew up in, in an area in a time, you know, that with all the, the Honeywellers and the Sperry Univac people and, I mean, you know, a lot of that pressure to, you know, I, I ended up at the U and then did 20 years at, at General Electric and because that's what, you know, that's what we did. That's what we were told to do. And, you know, get a get a degree, and you know, go to work for the company for hopefully 20 years, and you know, retire somewhere. But um, 
enjoy it. I've been out in the garage kind of, you know, tinkering around on an old hot rod, and I heard you come on the radio, and I guess some of my, uh, you know, corporate blustering aside, I, the one question I really want to know, what happened to that gold uh, 73 Mark One that used to sit in the driveway down there? Well, that was my other brother, Ken's, and uh, he... That he Ken's car? Yeah, yeah, that was Ken's car, and all I ever did on that was I held the cheater on the end of the cheater in order to crack the, the nuts loose <laughs> until he could put the new headers on, but... You know, that's exactly, we used to do that all summer long. We'd have cars sitting in the driveway working on it. Uh, I was the one who resisted. My old, my brother Ken and my brother Doug were more mechanically inclined than me. And, yeah, well, and then uh, I come back around to doing mechanical devices. A better, a better outcome. But, yeah. Uh, I've, I've followed a little bit in the paper, you know, and, and after having to live the dream as a GE guy for, you know, the long time that I did, um, um, you know, way to, way to set precedence. And, you know, I'm... I'm thoroughly enjoying the you know the dialogue and you're you're you know right on the money for not just the generation of us late baby boomers but uh you know valid you know valid truths for for you know generations and going forward so keep fighting the fight man it was it was great to great to listen and talk and and uh you know, maybe I'll get a chance to say hi again in another 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll try to make San Anthony famous for something other than our police department, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's another story for another night. <laughs> right. Appreciate the call, Jason. Appreciate you listening as well. Thanks. All right, Tom, hang on the line. We'll get to you when we get back. Closing argument. My name's Walter Hudson. Howard Root in studio. We're discussing his commentary at the Star Tribune entitled, We're Not Doing Students Favors by Overselling college degrees 651-989-5855 twin cities news talk am 1130 1035 fm twin cities news howard root in studio with us tonight former ceo of vascular solutions and author of a piece at the star tribune entitled we're not doing students favors by overselling college degrees we've been talking about it this hour on closing argument my name is walter hudson twin cities news talk am 11 30 1035 fm uh, i was just about to ask you off air howard but i decided to ask you on have you gotten much feedback from this commentary you know not not yet it just published i think on monday and i was looking to see if any reaction came back from the university about five years ago i wrote a op-ed in the star tribune as well it said uh, no hard sciences no job and at that point, I critiqued the University of Minnesota's um, curriculum, complaining that they were giving liberal arts graduates um, basically worthless degrees, things with, with not, no substance in the, in the learning. And that one got a little bit more of a rise out of the university. They took issue with that, and they, uh, they didn't want to come out and learn what I was saying. They wanted me to come down and learn what they were doing. Um, I, I didn't take them up on that offer. Uh, but this one, I, I'm still waiting to see. I mean, one of the points in the article was uh, Representative Tim Walz wants to push for more remedial money, remedial education money. So he wants the universities to get grants from the government to put even more remedial education programs into colleges, essentially putting a high school curriculum side by side with a college curriculum at the right. University of Minnesota. Which is kind of an admission that the high schools are failing, perhaps? Well, it's two admissions. One is the high schools aren't preparing these students as they should. Absolutely, they're failing in that way. But second, I would argue it's even more of an admission that too many students are going to college. Sure. If you have this problem and students are not ready for college, I think you should really look at whether college is ever going to be the right answer for them. And when we have 70% of high school graduates going on to college, that's an incredible number. I don't think it should be anywhere close to that, especially like we talked about, when only about 27% of the jobs require college and 70% of the kids are going to college. 
I think we should be looking at it the other way, saying let's look for alternatives. Even, you know, the military is a great option. You get education and you get training and, and you get a life lesson. Um, apprenticeship programs are, are great training. Uh, auto mechanics can make $100,000 a year. There's a lot of options out there. We don't have much unemployment. You just have to find a place that fits your skill set and that one that you can get a job after you get done. Let's go to Tom in Rogers. Thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. Uh, good evening, and I just want to say that I really like your program. I started to enjoy it, actually. Well, that's <laughs> I'm glad. That's kind of the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make a comment and then a question. Um, I graduated in 75, and I remember back then most of the people that I knew, there was the ones that went to college were ones that, needed a college degree for particular careers, like I know one was going to become a doctor, obviously. Um, I think one was going to become a stewardess, and I think that was a, you needed a degree for that at that time. Um, but for the most part, most of us just went out into the workforce and got a job, um, bounced around a few times here or there, but then settled into a job with a company that, you know, we worked from the bottom and worked our way up. Um, and learn the trade. In my case, it was machine shop. And um, so I got hands-on experience and worked my way up through, you know, to become a machinist. Um, and you don't see that much too often anymore. And it's, it's a lot of it, I think, changed too with, like, the temp situations where a lot of companies go with temps now. That seems like companies aren't interested in training people. Um taking on somebody and training, you know, putting them in a training program uh, for a particular position. Uh, then my question is, is, some years ago, on a radio show, not obviously yours, but uh, there was a gentleman on talking about something similar to what he talked about tonight, and he attributed to the, the rise of this idea that you have to go to college to make more money or you have to go to college, period, um, with the advent of the student loan program, which I believe mm. he stated started in 1972 under Nixon, I believe, and that it gave the colleges, you know, the impetus to get as many people into college as you could. Yeah, and was the start of the brainwashing that way. Well, you got to go to college. Yeah, Tom, we we talked about that, or I talked about it last night. Uh, at, oh, at I didn't length. get your show last uh, night. No, but that I I I'm glad you brought it up again because it fits very neatly into what we're talking about tonight. The the notion that uh, there is an economic incentive that is somewhat perverse as a result of government intervention to encourage students through public policy, both through the culture and through public policy, to commit to being college students in order to benefit. Not themselves, not the overall economy, not the not industry and business, but the industry that is the post secondary education system. And 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 so there is. You would agree then that the, with this gentleman I heard some years ago that there is a direct correlation between the start of the student loan program and this whole concept of the colleges pushing to have kids come to go to college. I haven't seen data to that effect, but let's put it this way. I would not be surprised at all, and, in fact, I would expect that to be the case. I appreciate your call, Tom. Yeah, certainly uh, it's allowing colleges to get away with something that's not in the best interest of the students. When they have $100,000 student loan debt that students aren't worrying about uh, and they can get it almost free, 
that's going to allow this, the colleges to continue to jack up the tuition, push more students into it, and not worry about the effects because it won't be seen for another five to ten years. I mean, I had a quote by uh, Mike Rowe, one of my favorite TV stars. He does uh, dirty jobs on, on, on TV. And at the end of my article, I quoted him saying, we're lending money we don't have to kids who can't pay it back to train them for jobs that no longer exist. Right. And when if you look at it that way, it's it's really this push out of the economic effect of college on students and their parents. It's more often now the parents who are on the hook for it. And now we have proposals to wipe out student debt. And right. we talked about right. that last night as well. And, yep. and if you do that, what's going to happen in the next generation? Well, then they're going to expect it that we wiped out again. So right. now if college is free and nothing's ever free, someone else has to pay for it. Mm-hmm. It just means that society and, and the, the whole economy is going to be dragged down by a college system that's not producing for our economy. It seems to me, and you know, perhaps I'm a little too conspiratorial or cynical in this regard, but it seems to me that that notion of forgiving the debt is, it, let's put it this way, it leads very naturally towards essentially nationalizing the post-secondary education system. Because it's going to get to a point where if you don't change the incentives that people are motivated by to go to college and you just continually every once in a while cyclically forgive the debt, it's it's eventually going to turn into a fiscal crisis that requires some sort of regulation in order to stabilize. Right. And then the other part about that is you kind of you kind of kill the competition. And they're doing that by the assault on the for-profit educational system. I mean, right. these for-profit colleges, if they make one slip up on any regulation, Lori Swanson, our AG, will be on them with a lawsuit tomorrow and try to shut them down. Right. And and they're doing that in in cooperation with the public university system yes. that's continuing to go forward and educating students for jobs that they can't get. Right. So it perpetuates this thing. And and there's another part of it, too. If you look at the colleges putting out these, these graduates, and then you see some of the graduates going into the high schools and being the counselors, every counselor in a high school is a college graduate. Well, what are they going to be pushing their kids into? Yeah, right. Into college. Yeah, right. And then they say, you don't have to pay for it because you'll get this, this uh, loan. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, you've got a million dollar over your lifetime college premium. Right. So you should be incurring $200,000 in debt, and you'll make that back in, in, in 10, 15 years. No problem. It's rather insidious. You know, the, the public education system really institutionalizes students similar to how prisoners are institutionalized. And by that, I mean you get used to being told what to do, when to do it, and basically having your values served up to you on a silver platter. And when you suddenly become an adult and you're cast out into the world with really no preparation in terms of how to take responsibility for yourself, and then you get recruited by someone at a college who says, hey, you know, step right into this student loan. It's going to be a natural progression for you to take, for you to basically continue to do what you're told. Well only, said. Only in this case, the the impetus is not the furtherance of your own education, but the furtherance of the financial well-being of people who are providing educational services. Howard Root was our guest in studio tonight. We'll uh, be back next hour. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.